0: Good evening, Clifford Baptist Church. Glad you are here tonight for Bible study. I appreciate those of you who are here in the sanctuary and also those of you who are streaming with us tonight. Thank you for being a part of Bible study as we are going through the high points, the mountaintops of the biblical theme and the thread that runs through the Bible of God's grace, God's blessing God's faithfulness to his people, beginning with Israel right through our day. He is faithful to his own. Uh, 32 lessons in this entire series through the, book of the the books of the Bible and the theme of the Bible. And we are on lesson 29 tonight. So we are three shy of finishing up. But I'm glad you're with me. Uh, and I, our prayer is that God will bless us in the sanctuary, in your homes Even in a car out there listening by an FM signal. Thank you for being with us. So let's start tonight with a word of prayer. Our Lord, our God, thank you for your holy, precious, mighty, wonderful word, Lord. The revelation of your heart and your mind to us, Father. We thank you that you love us and we thank you, Father, that this indeed is your love letter to us as we see your faithfulness, Father. And the thread that runs through the Bible is your faithfulness to your people, Lord, and your love for your own. Even though we're not perfect, and even though we're sinners and sometimes fall away, as we see Israel do many, many times, and we too have a personal testimony about that, Father, we thank you that you are always faithful to us, always taking care of us. There's never a moment that you leave our side. And so, Father, we're grateful and thankful to be yours, to belong to you, and to know that you are with us through every moment of the day and night. And your love is ever among us and above us and below us. Protecting us and leading us on so tonight. Thank you that we open your precious word We're going to study one particular book of your word tonight. Lord Thank you for giving it to us and thank you that as we gather here your banner over us is love and we're grateful to Gather under your gaze and under your teaching tonight bless us. We pray in Jesus name. Amen All right tonight lesson 29 the general heading of tonight uh, is the general letters Uh, in Lesson 29. Tonight we're continuing, of course, on our quick trip through the entirety of the Bible and tracing the thread of God's faithfulness and love throughout His Word. Now up to this point, we have looked at at blocks of books in your New Testament. Uh, We have looked at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, We have looked at the one history book of your New Testament, the book of Acts. Uh, We also have looked at, uh, Paul's block of letters to churches of course Paul was the greatest uh, most prolific writer that is contained in the New Testament and we looked at Paul's block of letters to churches and then also Paul's block of letters to individuals uh, and tonight uh, we have now completed Paul's letters 13 of them from Romans to Philemon So tonight is the beginning of the general letters of the Bible. We're getting very close to the end of the New Testament now. Uh, And we're coming tonight to a very uh, unique book in the New Testament. It is the book of Hebrews. Uh, A few years ago, I preached through the book of Hebrews, and I can tell you it was one of the most challenging studies I have ever been through. Uh, To me, this is one of the most interesting and intriguing books of the Bible. It is very different from the other books of the New Testament. And so tonight, because of its importance, because of its uniqueness, I'm going to give the entirety of this lesson, 29, to this general letter, uh, the letter to the Hebrews. It is deeply intellectual, it is deeply scholarly, and it is written by an unnamed genius. Uh, Someone who absolutely was under the the will and the plan of God to write this letter to the Hebrews. Uh, As uh, as we get started, I want to give you a little background about the book of Hebrews. Uh, While I've used a number of commentaries to pull this lesson together tonight, I also dug out some seminary notes from almost 40 years ago. Uh, As I took a class on Hebrews and uh, grew uh, in that class so much in understanding this book. My professor of New Testament at Southeastern Seminary was Dr. Richard Spencer. Uh, He was a a very young man back when I was in seminary. I hope he's still there. Uh, But he was very scholarly and he said for himself as he was a, a scholar of the New Testament. He said the book of Hebrews was the most intriguing book of all the New Testament to him. And he was enthralled by Hebrews. So I want you tonight, as we get started, go on and open your Bible to the book of Hebrews. We're not going to see a lot of verses from the book, but my prayer is, uh, for those of you here, for those of you streaming, for those of you listening, that uh, this is going to pique your interest enough that you're going to want to read the book of Hebrews and do some digging in it yourself. Uh, As we open our Bibles tonight to this book, first of all, I want you to notice the title of the book in your Bible. Uh, i remind you that titles in your book, uh, titles in your Bible are not part of holy writing. Uh, The titles were assigned to the books as the Bible was compiled and put together under God's leadership, but the titles of the book were not given by God. They are inscribed by man just to give us guidance as to the letter we're going to be looking at. But I want to remind you that the titles are not in the original text of these scriptures. They were added. So if there is an error in a title, there is not an error in God's word. Does that make sense? And the reason I say that to you is because the book of Hebrews has got se- gotten several titles uh, in the Bibles and, and in different translations as has come along. Uh, but uh, there is a, a, a translation of the King James Version that says, this is the book of Hebrews written by Paul. Uh, that is not something that we have established completely yet. Uh, this writing was intent, uh, was originally intended for jewish christians or jewish people who were learning about jesus as savior and lord and messiah uh the original audience for this letter then was an audience of people of hebrew jewish ancestry and heritage uh again many king james version bibles say that this is a uh, an epistle of paul the apostle uh to the hebrews uh, in fact i have uh King James Version or two in my office that I found today that says that this is a letter of Paul but I want to clarify two things about the letter as we begin tonight actually in the truest form this book is not simply a letter this book is not simply an epistle uh, to a group of people Hebrews does not give itself a title but it tells us what its intention is, what its purpose is. If you want to write this scripture down, it's in the last of the book, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 22. And this is how this book of the Bible describes itself. Hebrews 13:22 says this. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in a few words. So notice If you want to underline it in your Bible, this is a word of exhortation. Uh, It's a word of urgent encouragement. Uh, The term that you could best understand this in English is that this is a sermon in written form. It is a word of God to encourage, to exhort, to push forward the people to whom it is addressed. And here's what the sermon is about. Here is what this word of exhortation, if you were to put all of the information of the book of Hebrews on the head of a pen, this is what it's about. Faith in Jesus Christ in all circumstances of life is worth it. That's the totality of what the book of Hebrews is saying. It says it in an elegant, uh, just a beautiful way. Uh, but if you were to boil it all down, that's what the book of Hebrews is about. Faith in Jesus Christ in all circumstances is worth it. If you remember at this point, the church is standing on the cusp of persecution, uh, poverty, loss of their wealth, loneliness. Uh, They were Truly, the church was becoming very much a target of persecution in these days. And so this letter is written under the inspiration of God for God to say to this group of people, Do not compromise your faith in Jesus in every circumstance, whether it's a day of joy or a day of sorrow or a day of persecution. Your faith in Jesus the Savior is worth it. He will carry you through no matter what is going on in your life. Do not give up your faith in Jesus because He is the preeminent, powerful Savior. He is the Son of God. And so keep your faith strong in Him. That's the message boiled down what Hebrews is all about. Now, although there, one title for the book attributes authorship to Paul, actually... Hebrews has been called, as far as who wrote it, Hebrews has been called the riddle of the New Testament. Uh, it's, this author has been a mystery for the length of time that it has existed. For over 2,000 years, people have wondered who wrote, who was the earthly instrument who wrote this book. We know ultimately God wrote the book. Amen? Amen. But who was the earthly instrument God used to write the book of Hebrews? Nobody truly knows. Although Paul could have written it, there's some evidence within the book that brings us to wonder if he did, or maybe even doubt that he did. The writing style is very different. Of course, we have so, many, uh, so much evidence and so many examples of Paul's writing style from Romans through Philemon. We see how this man writes. And the book of Hebrews is very different in its writing style. Uh, Every other letter from Romans to Philemon, Paul identifies himself as the author. So in every letter that we have in the New Testament attributed to Paul, Paul says, I'm the guy who wrote the letter. Uh, Not so for Hebrews. Hebrews. Uh, And something else there's missing in Hebrews, and that is some of his pet sayings, the things that Paul will say over and over again in his writing style. Let me give you an example. Paul loves to use the words, in Christ. If you are saved, you are in Christ. Just like uh, Noah and his family were contained in the ark. In the same way, when you are saved, you are in Christ. You're not holding on to him; he's holding on to you. That makes sense, uh, and that's one of Paul's favorite statements. You are in Christ. You will find that uh, in Romans, in First and Second Corinthians, in Galatians, in Ephesians, in Philippians, in Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and Philemon. He uses that pet phrase over and over again. It's not in Hebrews. So for that reason, people are not sure, people certainly are not 100% sure that Paul was the author. He could have been. Uh, God may have changed the way he grammatically expressed himself. If that's God's will, then Paul would have changed the way he wrote. Uh, But the internal evidence has a shadow of doubt on Paul. The ancient scholar, Origen, the scholar of the first century, says God only knows who wrote Hebrews. One New Testament scholar says Priscilla wrote it of the team Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, Another scholar says that Timothy or Barnabas wrote Hebrews. Clement of Alexandria said Luke Luke wrote uh, Hebrews. Or he said Paul wrote it and Luke was the one who translated it into classic Greek. Uh, If you read 1 Peter, you know 1 Peter. First uh, Peter and second Peter were written by a fisherman, uh, a man who grew up probably with without formal education, uh, probably someone who was rough in the way he expressed himself. Now remember he he preached the first sermon of the church, so again, God improved his speaking style and his grammatical style i 'm sure uh, but if you remember in fact, if you want to look back you don 't have to turn to it, but in first Peter. You will notice that Peter the fisherman says, I am the author of this letter, but a man named Sylvanus wrote it down. The fancy word is Sylvanus was my Emanuensis, my secretary. I dictated the letter and Sylvanus wrote it down. That's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 20 or verse 12. Uh, and 1 Peter is so well written, so grammatically beautiful that some scholars have said Silvanus wrote Hebrews because he was such a good writer, uh, taking what Peter said and putting it on papyrus. The reformer, Martin Luther, said that Apollos, the eloquent preacher in the book of Acts, likely wrote the book of Hebrews. So right now, uh, from the first century through now, we do not know for sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we will find that out in heaven. How many of us have questions we're going to ask the Lord when we get to heaven? Ah, I think about every one of us. A couple of my questions is, what was Paul's infirmity? I'd love to know uh, what Paul's infirmity was. Another question is, God, why in the world did you create ticks? I don't quite get that, Or, or mosquitoes, or whatever it might be. But one of the serious questions is, Lord, who wrote the book of Hebrews? We'll find out all of that information and all of those little facts and questions that we have in our heads one of these days. Uh, But regardless of our guesses, regardless of our conjecture about who wrote Hebrews, ultimately God Almighty used some person through whom he breathed his word and it was written down uh, and dictated by the very breath and voice of God through this person. We don't know the name of the human being But we know ultimately God is the author of this very intricate, eloquent, beautiful letter. The person who wrote it, I believe, was a sheer genius. And God used that genius to write his word down. Now, when was Hebrews written? Only there is one key event that helps us date everything in the Bible uh, and everything in the first century uh, time-wise. And that is 70 A.D. is a key, key year. That was the year that the Roman emperor Titus Vespian destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, And so pre-70 A.D. uh, the temple was standing. And the priesthood was operating in the temple and on the temple grounds. After 70 it was destroyed And so it was not able to be in use. And the priesthood was not active at that time there. Uh, Throughout Hebrews, uh, it, it, it speaks about the temple. It speaks about the high priest of Jesus Christ. But the way that the temple is referred to in the book of Hebrews is in the present tense. So that tells us that most likely it was written prior to 70 A.D. The temple was still standing. Uh, So a lot of scholars have said that, that Hebrews was written somewhere between 65 and 69 A.D. That's the dating that most give it. The book of Hebrews has a very timely message. Again, remember, the church is right on the threshold of great and deep persecution, And the message of Hebrews is, even when persecution comes to you believers, uh, those of you who are members of the church of Jesus Christ, even when persecution comes, do not give up on your Savior. Don't compromise Him. Don't turn your back on Him. Don't flee from your church. Your faith is is worth it. Hold firm Because that Savior, Jesus, will see you through every step of the way that is ahead. Okay, with that little introduction, let's get just into the beginning of the book. It has some great statements that I want you to see. And again, my prayer is that our interest is going to increase, that you're going to want to read the entirety of this book. Uh, So let's concentrate on the very first two verses. If you want to turn with me, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. They, they establish a very important beginning to this book of the Word of God. So listen to verses 1 and 2. The book of Hebrews begins, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Isn't that a great opening to the book? God, let's do it one more time, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Okay, as we begin the book, as you just open the book of Hebrews, uh, it, it, it assumes two magnificent things two huge truths number one do you notice the very first word of hebrews god god is the first word there's no need to prove that he exists Uh, in fact if you look through the entirety of the bible you will not find one place in the bible where some writer says let me prove to you god exists Uh, you will notice at the very beginning of genesis Uh, In the beginning, God. So the first four words of the Bible set the precedent that God exists. We don't have to prove Him. God does exist. If you can't get by the first four words of the Bible and say, I believe, as I open God's Word, that He does exist, if you can't get by those, you're in trouble already. So you notice that Genesis begins that way, and so does Hebrews in the New Testament. God is a given. God does exist. And that's important. Here's the second thing that this book establishes. One of the great truths of the book that we need to hear. God has spoken to us. Number one, God absolutely exists. And God loves us so much that he has spoken to us as his human creation. Where do we hold the words where God speaks to us? Right here, amen? These are God's words. God's truth, God's word is not in this book. God's word is this book. Every word inspired and inerrant by him. Two very important points. So we begin on the foundation that God is real and that his word is here. Now, according to verse 1, before Jesus came. So verse 1 speaks to The Old Testament day, before Jesus comes. Verse 2 speaks to Jesus coming to us. So look at verse 1 one more time. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So now we're talking about the time before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Before He takes on flesh, before He is our incarnate Savior. God spoke to His people. And the writer of Hebrews says, God spoke to his people in diverse, varied, a multitude of ways. God spoke to his people. Uh, From the book of Genesis, which was written about 2,000 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, to the last writings of the Old Testament, which would be Nehemiah and Malachi, uh, 400 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. God's voice can be heard in these 39 Old Testament books. Before Jesus comes, we know God's voice is heard. But it tells us in this first verse that it is heard in a variety of ways. Uh, God spoke through the fathers of Israel. He spoke through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Uh, he spoke through the judges he spoke through the kings, and we've studied through all of those individuals uh, in these lessons past. Uh, amazingly, God spoke through visions. God spoke in the Old Testament through parables. God spoke through poetry of the Psalms. It's amazing there's even a spot in Numbers, uh, chapter 22, where God spoke through a donkey. Uh, God spoke in a multitude in a diverse manner of ways. God spoke to his people. He spoke through the prophets as we see the prophets in the ending sections of the Old Testament. So before Jesus came to earth taking on flesh, the Old Testament bears forth in truth that God addressed and led and loved his people in a variety of ways. But now go to verse 2 hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir or inheritor of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So Jesus always defines the last days. You'll see, underline those words uh, when we're talking in verse 2 about the last days. That Those are the days beginning when the Messiah Jesus came, And those last days continue through today and tomorrow and every day that Jesus tarries in coming for His church and His people. We are in those last days. But the last days began in Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Uh, And when Jesus came, God sent the perfect revelation of His Word and His love to us. So in the Old Testament... God spoke to his people in a multitude of ways. All kinds of ways, kings, judges, prophets, priests, on and on. But when the last days began at the beginning of the New Testament, there's one primary principal way God speaks to us. And that is through his son Jesus. Amen. So you go from diversity in the Old Testament to one voice. In the New Testament, the voice of the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. God's perfection and God's perfect Word came to us by way of His Son, Jesus, when He came to this earth. But I want you to notice in this little verse of Hebrews 1, verse 2, Scripture says that Jesus made the worlds. That Jesus was present when the universe, when creation was brought into being. Uh, He was there when God... The Father said, let there be light. Jesus existed. Jesus was not a creation to come to the manger. Jesus took on flesh there, but Jesus has always been as part of the Trinity of God. Uh, So so the writer of Hebrews makes it very plain that Jesus was there when every atom was created. When the first glimmer of light broke forth. Uh, He was there when every planet was formed and when the stars were put in place and when time uh, took on uh, the meaning uh, that we understand as time going forward. God really, uh, the way I've heard it described before is God sees time in a very different way from us. We see time ticking by day by day and month by month and year by year. But if time were in the form of a train, God can look down and see time from the beginning through the end. He's looking down on it all. It's a timeline that God can behold. While we are limited in the way we understand time, God can see time from His perspective, and it's very different. And, it was, and all of creation came through the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. He was there. And not only did He create it all, but again, the second verse, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, says that Jesus Christ will inherit it all. So one day, all of this universe is going to be under Jesus' control and Jesus' authority. Now, the Bible also teaches that there are going to be co-heirs, co-inheritors of all creation. Who's that? Us! We are! Because we're his sons and his daughters, and we're co-heirs with Christ of all the creation of the universe. So if you think you're poor right now, just wait. We're going to have it all, which is an amazing thing. So one day, all of this universe, according to the book of Hebrews, as well as established in many other places in the Bible, one of, this, one of these days, Jesus is going to have total control and authority. Right now, by God's authority, by God's wisdom, Satan and demons continue to run rampant. Uh, we see evidence of that. Uh, we see evidence that Satan is alive and well. He is headed for death, but right now he's alive. Uh, and uh, he is the prince of the power of the air. He has uh, some control in this, uh, in this world in which we live. We have sickness. We have hurt. We have problems. Sin is still very much prevalent. Our problems largely come through sin. It's the effects of sin uh, and then also the effect of Satan being here. Many... Human beings living in this state of rebellion, and Satan is pushing the rebellion forward. But I want you to listen. The Savior is patiently waiting as the church works in this lost vineyard. So many of us might ask, what, you know, the world has gotten in such a shape. Uh, what, what makes Jesus tarry? But I, I want you to think back in history. The world's always been in bad shape. You know, we have evidence in the Bible of people who sacrifice their babies. uh, And some of the most wicked things you ever want to read about, you go back to the Old Testament and you'll see it. The world has always been in sorry shape. So why does God tarry? Why does God leave us here? So one more soul can be saved. So the good news can continue to travel. Now, he has a timeline. The church... And, and time is not just wandering around uh, in, in, uh, in our existence. There is a day. There is a date. There is an hour. There is a minute in God's timeline when he's going to, come to bring it to an end. When Jesus comes to re- receive and retrieve his church. Uh, but we know right now these are hard days they were hard days for the church and these hebrews to whom this letter was written days of persecution days of testing Uh, but this letter says jesus is giving the lost time to come to him yes church you're going through persecution but don't Step aside of your ministry. Don't step aside of your giving the gospel and the invitation to Jesus Christ. That's why he's allowing us to be here. Even when we walk through the persecutions and the trials, we still have a job to do. Don't back down. Don't compromise on the job that the Lord is giving us. He's tarrying from coming to get us because he wants one more saved. One more to come to the kingdom of God. But the day is going to come... When Satan will be removed, when evil is going to be gone, sickness is going to be a thing of the past, death will be no more, the rebellious and the wicked and the hard-hearted are going to be removed from our presence. You know, it says that uh, when we get to heaven, there will not be any locks on the doors because nobody is going to have sin uh, to want to break in. So there won't be a lock on the door and will be total trust and total love there and Jesus will perfectly rule as the Lamb of God and we will be under His rulership and under His love and leading for all eternity as the Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God. He's the one I want to belong to. He's the one I want to live for right now because we see that future and it is laid forth in the book of Hebrews. He created us. He loves us, He died for us, He rose from the grave for us, He redeemed us out of hell and out of lostness and out of guilt so that we might have forgiveness and hope and purpose and heaven. He's the one we want to live for and live with forever. So the book of Hebrews says, be patient, wait on Him. Don't compromise your faith. Yes, the church is being persecuted, but you stay strong. Well, as I close this tonight, Christian, how does this word speak to us and challenge us tonight? Hebrews, as you go through the entirety of it, although it is a very intricate book, it asks some very simple questions. When you come to what the book really does say, it comes down to simplicity. Uh, here, Here are two extremely important questions that the book of Hebrews poses to every person. First... Is God really real to you? Is God real? Is Jesus your personal friend? You know, as I've said before, I'm sure I'll say it many times again, we don't practice a religion. We enjoy a relationship. There's a great difference. Amen? Religion is is nothing more than a set of rules that you try to follow, which, by the way, we'll fail at uh religion uh, is is striving to be the best that you personally can be but that's never going to meet god's standard our faith is a faith of a relationship with a forgiving savior who teaches us how to love and how to strive to walk in his footsteps Uh, so we we want that relationship with him so the question that hebrews poses that the world needs to hear is is god really real to you. He's not just a figurehead. He's not just far removed out on his throne in heaven letting us do what we want. He is a personal Lord, a personal God. Is he real to you in a relationship? Do you feel his presence? Jesus wants to be real to us, Jesus wants to have that relationship with us. He is never, ever far from you or me. He's with us every moment of our life. You know, I remember a benediction prayer from from Ron's uncle, Jack Campbell. Uh, And Jack Campbell repeated this benediction prayer every Sunday. I remember it from hundreds of times at Linden Heights Baptist Church as we closed uh, the worship service. Uh, Jack Campbell would always say, the Lord's love is underneath us lest we fall and around us to protect us and above us to guide us on every single day. Uh, And I remember that That he totally envelops us and he totally leads us in every step. So the first question is, is God real to you? Is Jesus cultivating a relationship? Are you cultivating a relationship with him? The second question is this. Is this word real to you? Does this word contain power to you? Do you consult this word as your roadmap for life it's one thing to say yes i believe the bible but it never gets open and it lays on the coffee table uh, you know sometimes we think oh, i can i can live on one sermon a week well do you live on one meal a week really i don't think so uh nor can we live on one sermon a week this this is to be your friend And this word is to be read, it's to be consulted, it's to be our roadmap for living. If we'll read it, it will find its way into our mind and into our hearts. You know what's amazing to me? I thought about this today as I was finishing up this study. Uh, Over the years, I have had the privilege of visiting with many Alzheimer's patients. Uh, People at the stage of their life where they no longer know their children, Uh, They no longer know the people who are most important to them. They don't remember much of the present day. They remember a lot about the past, but they don't remember much about the present day. But one thing that just amazes me over and over again is Alzheimer's does not take the Word of God out of a person. It's amazing. When you sing Amazing Grace, they can sing with you. Uh, They can repeat Scripture that they've known all their life. That's amazing to me. That when the Word of God implants itself in your mind and your heart, nothing will take it away. Uh, and I think that's so important. We need to consult this Word and we need to know this Word uh, because when you know this Word, it will change you. It will change your perspective. It will change the way you look at life. And it will change the way you live life and relate to other people, particularly in your family and those people who need Christ as Lord and Savior. It changes the way we see people and the way we relate to people. Uh, Reading the Bible is worth it. So that's my word for you tonight that we continue to do that. Uh, Tonight as we close this study, God bless you. Uh, God bless us as we know that we need that relationship with the Lord and we need that relationship that we want to, grow in knowing and understanding his word the book of hebrews is absolutely beautiful Uh, there's a sermon series about it but go personally study it read it Uh, it is one challenging word of god but in it is the beauty of the voice of god as we uh, allow it to touch our hearts and our minds those of you who have been streaming with us thank you for that tonight my challenge to you is to read the book of hebrews very soon Uh, because it is indeed God's Word uh, that uplifts us and teaches us how to serve Him. Thank you, folks in the sanctuary. Maybe there's something out in the parking lot with an FM signal. Thank you for being there. But let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father, our God, tonight, I love the book of Hebrews, and we've just taken a a really bird's-eye view of it tonight, Lord. But it assures us that Jesus Christ is God, and it assures us that Your Word is important. And so, Father, tonight I pray that we will cultivate that relationship with Jesus. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And, Lord, I pray that we will also seriously consider how we are going to your word day by day, allowing it to be implanted in our minds and our hearts as it changes us, as it grows us, as it changes our attitudes, as it changes our outlook, as it changes the way we see people and the way we live with people. So, Father, I pray that you will bless us to be students of your word. And to be those in love with the Savior who has given himself for us. Father, thank you for the various and diverse ways you've spoken to us. But in this day, in this age, we know that the word of Jesus is the word of God. May we know it well, Father, we pray. Bless us. Thank you for everyone who studied with us tonight. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, streamers. God bless you.